Welcome to the first ever episode of the Second to Screen podcast. My name is Eddie Whitman, and I'm a sports management grad student and an assistant coach on the men's basketball team at the University of New Haven. On today's podcast, I'll be interviewing Brian Doe's, who is currently an assistant coach at Florida College. I will also be discussing the hopeful soon-to-be return of the NBA season and also some NBA draft insight and news. Welcome to the Setting the Screen Podcast. My name is Eddie Whitman. Today I'm joined by Brian Doze of Florida College. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? Doing good. So Brian is an assistant coach at Florida College. He spent the last two years as a graduate assistant at Florida State and before that was a manager for the women's basketball team at Southeast Missouri State. In his first season at Florida State, they made the Sweet 16, 29 wins. And this past year, they won the ACC regular season championship and the tourney championships by default due to coronavirus. So I'll jump to this. Brian, um, when did you first know you wanted to pursue a career in college basketball coaching? Well, actually, it was my last year of undergrad in college. And I was sitting in one of my sports management class and a girl named Aisha Ford, who was a grad assistant for the women's basketball team, does a presentation, and at the end of her presentation, she gives a flyer that says we're currently looking for student managers for the basketball team to help out the women's team. So I volunteered for that, and I got to see how Coach Patterson coached her team, and I just fell in love with the game of basketball since then. And after I finished undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a grad assistant, so I kind of just uh, pursued Florida State to be a grad assistant. All right, that's awesome. And, and as you said, in your time as a manager, um, what are the biggest things you took away from that, the kind of things you learned? I know being the manager is not the biggest flashy job. I've gone through it as well. But what are the kind of things you learned f- through that process? Yeah, well, I was a manager for Southeast Missouri State Women's Team for one year. And basically what I learned is no task is no task is too big and no task is too small. And even though you're a manager, you don't get paid and all that stuff, it's still a great opportunity to learn. I did a bunch of the – under, I did a bunch of like the dirty work. I did like the laundry to picking up towels, to getting the water. I did all of that work, and it was just a great experience, man. Absolutely. And what what kind of advice would you give to, uh, I guess, a current college kid now or upcoming college kid that sees being a manager as a possibility, but not sure about it? What do I kind of think? What would you say to them as, I guess, encouragement that it's the right thing to do? I would say being a manager is a great start, man. Like. If you want to be a coach, uh, my path is to, is to be a manager first and then go to a grad assistant. So I think that being a manager, you get your foot in the door and build connections that way. And so when it's time to be a grad assistant, you can already have your connection that way. Absolutely. So I know from a fall, I see Florida State as one of the better, or in recent years, one of the best college basketball programs in the country. So in your opinion, why do you think you guys were so successful, especially in the two seasons you were there? I think we were successful because of the culture that co- the culture that Coach Hamilton built there. I mean, everybody from the coaching staff to the players to the GAs to the manager, everybody was like family, man, and everybody bought into the system. Uh, we had a, a slogan called "All Turn," and everybody bought into doing it, and and we we're so because everybody believed it that this was our year, our turn to accomplish something. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. And in what ways was like the program that you came from in your days as a college manager to your days as a, at Florida State, do you think your programs were run similarly or was, I guess, Florida State, obviously there's more, I guess, fans of the games, is that's the easy one. But what what differences was your time as a manager in comparison to being a GA? What are the differences, like the stuff you did as a GA? Well, as a D, G, GA and a manager, the difference was basically some about with uh, the towels and I wrote like uh, scouting letters and stuff like that. And as a GA, I took on more responsibilities. I did like scouting reports. Uh, I helped with the uh, director of basketball operations with food and travel preparations and also helped out with the video coordinator a lot as a GA. And uh, obviously just used the softwares like Huddle, uh, Fast Draw, and all those softwares that help uh, scout the teams. So I had more responsibilities as a GA than a manager. Awesome. So I know you talked about scouting. I know in your first season as a GA, I looked this up, you actually, of course, had played against the top four picks in the draft in Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, John Moran, and DeAndre Hunter. Like Game, game plan for those guys, like, how was it like playing against those guys? And like, is it how difficult was it to game plan for guys that, that, that talented? Uh, well, it wasn't that difficult because we kind of stuck to our same game plan. I mean, for instance, John Morant, when we played them in a tournament, most teams tried to double-team John Morant to keep him away from scoring as many points. Well, we took a different approach is if John Morant's going to go on this game and drop 40 on us, he's just going to have to drop 40 on us. But he's not going to he's not going to beat us. Uh, he's not going to beat us by himself. Is what we went to that game plan. As much as other teams did, and that's why I think that helped us a lot in scouting for uh, Murray State. So, would you say you basically stuck to your identity more than changing game to game? And do you think you guys stuck to what you did more so than adjust based on the matchup? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'll say this: uh, Florida State had two players selected last year in the 2019 draft, and most likely said to have two taken in the first round this upcoming year. Um, why do you think at Florida State, at least in recent years? that they've had such success developing players and pushing them out into the pro game? Uh, I think they have a lot of success in developing players because Florida State not only recruits talent, but they recruit players that they have the mentality of getting better. They have Florida State in their heart. They recruit players who want to win. And basically, as a GA, our players are in the gym every day. We have managers and GAs that work out the players almost every day. And that's why I think that Florida State is so successful because our guys really want to get better, and they're in the gym twenty four seven. Absolutely. So I got a few, a few more for you. Um, at least, like in the recruiting process at Florida State, what, what are the things that obviously it's different than looking at the recruiting boards and seeing the best players? What are the kind of things that the staff Florida State, including yourself, really saw as a player? Saw like seeing in recruits. What did you want to see in a recruit when they when you tried to make an offer to them? Hold on, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you repeat the question one more time? Just when you're out, out recruiting, yourself included, and the rest of the staff, like what are the kind of things you're looking for in a specific player? Well, I look for basically players that want to win, first of all. I look for players that want to get better every day. I want I look for players that just want to see themselves succeed, man. And that's what I kind of want to recruit when I go to Florida College, is look for players that just want to be successful. Absolutely. So last one for you. Uh, I know you just touched on it, but 
going to Florida College, what are the kind of things that you want to translate in your career going from, obviously you went from the manager to Jib. What is the thing you want to accomplish going from GA to a coach? From a GA to coach, I just want to be an asset, man. As a, this is my first year going to assistant coach position, and I just want to be an asset and contribute as much as I can to the head coach and see him succeed. That's just, that's why I think the biggest job as assistant coach is to just to help the head coach as much as possible, and that's what I'm going to do. Just try to fill him up and doing the best I can and see him, the program succeed. Absolutely. Well, Thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your – I know your busy schedule just got a new job, so I really do thank you for joining the podcast. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on on the show. Of course. I once again want to thank Coach Brian Doze of Florida College for joining the Setting the Screen podcast. Gave a lot of great insight on his career and his rise to being an assistant coach, as I said, at Florida College, his time as a manager, his time as a GA, and also explaining – how Florida State's basketball program has run, why they've had so much success both in win totals and pushing guys into the NBA. So I'm basically going to recap my interview a little bit and also talk about the upcoming NBA season that's coming back. So I, what I definitely got out of that was Florida State has one of the best cultures in the country with hardworking players who want prove, want to prove to be the best of family culture, as Coach Doe said. Just everyone bought in as one, as he said, Florida State's mentality of our turn our turn to be great, and I think all the players, as he said, GAs, coaches, managers, all embrace that, and that shows why that team's had so much success in recent years. Um, as I said last year, Mifondu Cabangeli went late in the first round from Florida State, and Terrence Mann went in the second round, and even Cabangeli was the sixth man on that team, embraced his role, and that's why that team had so much success. Going late into the Mar- into March Madness, winning multiple games in the tournament, that shows the culture they had, and I think those two guys on the Los Angeles Clippers right now, they've been going back and forth from the NBA into the G League, but that's probably the best team in the NBA right now, and obviously with the salary cap era, you cannot keep every single guy on your team forever. And I think those two young players will have a great opportunity to get minutes in the rotation consistently for the for the LA Clippers next season. So I'm excited to see where they go, and also, at least in my mock draft that I'll be revealing next week, Devin Vazell and Patrick Williams, both cemented in my first round. I think they're clear-cut first-round picks. Devin Fassell, he averaged 12.7 points, five rebounds, shot over 40% from three. Definitely an intriguing prospect, an athletic wing who could really shoot the ball. And Patrick Williams, I think he's a do-it-all forward, averaged nine points, four rebounds, over 45% from the field. And I see a common theme with all four of these guys. Very versatile, can play multiple positions, can guard multiple positions. And that's what the NBA is nowadays. And I know Florida State has a great recruiting class coming in next year. So I don't see any reason why Florida State will not have another two, three guys heading into the NBA draft in 2021 because their culture, the way they develop players, how successful they are after Florida State will say a lot for the future guys. But I think Florida State is already proven to be one of the best basketball, basketball programs in the country, but I think they'd be more more room to grow as maybe a premier college basketball program in NCAA just because of how, how they go on a day-to-day basis and how they're run. But obviously led at the top by Coach Leonard Hamilton, one of the best coaches in the country. So before I close today's podcast, I'm talking about the NBA. The league is likely coming back July 31st at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World. There's a vote on Thursday. I don't think the vote is as much about if the league's coming back or when. I think it's more about how the league structure is going to be. Uh, all 30 teams likely will not be coming to Disney because it just doesn't make sense. Teams out of playoff contention, it wouldn't make sense to have all those teams come down there, causing more people there. And obviously with the social distancing and the coronavirus still intact, I know some states are in phase one, phase two now, but 
the less people there, the better. But in the Eastern Conference, pretty much set in stone. The gap between the playoff teams and non-playoff teams is pretty substantial, so I think those teams are set. And I think 1 through 7 in the West is pretty much set in stone, but 8 through 12 is right there. The Memphis Grizzlies are 8th right now, but the thing about end the season right now is the Memphis Grizzlies have the toughest remaining schedule in the league. Showing their schedule early in the season was a little bit easier. Maybe factoring into where they are standing-wise, don't take anything away from John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and those guys. Because they have a talented team, but it's only fair to let the teams are sh- a few games behind. At least show or give, give them a chance to have a play a play in game or a few games. Uh, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram on the Pelicans. They have so many young players and veterans with Drew Holiday, JJ Redick, Derek Favors. That's a talented team. When they got Zion back, that was a whole new ball club, and they're a very talented team. A team that made the West Conference Finals last year: Damian Willard, CJ McCollum, Hassan Whiteside. They're getting back Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. Hopefully, the Trailblazers are a really good team, and if the Lakers, who are likely the ones that have to play them as an eight seed, the Pelicans or the Blazers, even the Grizzlies, those are three really good teams. And there's even more: the Spurs, two proven veterans, Demar Derozan, Marcus Aldridge, and a young core around them. The best coach of the league, Greg Popovich. They have a chance. A young core in Sacramento, the Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley. It's just all these teams have talent, and they have a fair chance, and even the standings show it to make the playoffs. And I think a play-in game or a play-in tournament to find that AC in the West. So I see 20 to 22 teams around that range going to Disney. Not all 30 teams going. That makes the most sense. And Adam Silver and the other GMs will be voting on this on Thursday. So hopefully, I know the world needs this. Uh... The players want to play, the coaches want to coach, the fans want to watch basketball, and luckily, we're going to get the NBA back soon. July 31st is the date, most likely, as long as we don't have another setback with the coronavirus in our country, and I think the NBA season obviously will be different, but it's going to be pretty awesome to get the NBA season back and finish it off, which is the way it should be. So thank you for listening today. I have my, As I said, my first mock draft for my website will be up this upcoming week, and I have another interview coming with a coach of a blue blood program in college basketball, one of the top programs in the country, maybe the top in recent years. He'll be joining the podcast next week. I'm excited for that. So thank you for listening today. Check out our website, my website and my Twitter account. They'll all be posted here on Spotify and YouTube. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Setting the Screen podcast. Thank you. This is the Setting the Screen podcast.